Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we're going to talk today about Dr. Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, or the cycle of grief. Uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross was a physician that years ago noticed that when her patients were dying, they appeared to go through uh, similar experiences and in some ways, and that their families also had certain things that they needed to deal with. And she put together these stages of grief or this grief cycle that's been used for uh, decades now to kind of help all of us understand tragedy in our lives or things that all of a sudden shock us. For some people, it's just a move or a new job, but it could be a divorce or a death. Um, things that we kind of have to deal with psychologically. Certainly, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, we found that people who are transitioning out of a performance-based religion, especially if they've had a lifetime in that religion, go through these same stages. It's a traumatic experience because their entire identity is in their performance-based religion, their value system, their religious understandings, their, their people group that's also with them. And so when you're leaving a performance-based religion, often you're leaving your entire identity. Who am I now? What do I believe? How do I go forward? Um, and yet, <laughs> there is this cycle of stages that we kind of work through. Now, let me say right up front that not everyone does this in the same way or the same order. And right. some people might not experience any of this or part of this. But I can tell you, for me, my transition probably took nearly five years. And I definitely camped in some of these stages for a time. Okay, so go ahead and run through, just name those stages, and then we want to take some time and talk about them a little bit more specifically. Well, the first one really is shock. When you're learning uh, something that you didn't know before that's contrary to everything you've always believed, Here's an example. In 2003, I got a phone call at 1.30 in the morning that my mother had died. This was a huge shock to me, although we knew for a while it was coming. My body began to shake, Joel, and I shook for four hours. And I remember oh, thinking in man. my brain, I must be in shock. This must be what it's like to be in shock shock, right? So shock being the first stage, working into denial, can't be, this can't be true. This is a bad dream. I'll wake up tomorrow and things will be different. Um, yeah. 
I, I'm so afraid, what if this is real? Um, how can I avoid this? Okay, so denial. The next stage that comes to bear is anger. So I'm angry about this. I'm not sure who to be angry at. God, that <laughs> my mother died, uh, the medical people that I think didn't take good care of her. Um, you know, irritation, anxiety, just this. Sometimes people get caught up in lawsuits. Um, I can't yeah, believe you absolutely. took all my tithing money away or that you did this or that. I mean, sometimes there are righteous things, right, to be angry about. But sometimes, oh, exactly. sometimes we don't know where to put this anger and it's a bit of a displaced anger. We'll... Um, be angry at the wrong source for a time and this that's a really dangerous stage because you can ruin some relationships in that anger stage and like we've said before if you don't move on from the anger stage feel like you're moving to something better you can be stuck in that one for a long time yes and for those of you who want to know more we actually kind of explored in more detail the whole anger stage in our previous episode so we'd encourage you, if you missed that, to go ahead and go back and listen to uh, episode 37, where Lynn uh, really expanded on this anger, and we talked about some do's and don'ts when you're in that anger stage. So what, what comes after the anger? After the anger is a stage that Kubler-Ross calls bargaining. So in the bargaining stage, you're still struggling you're you're kind of half accepting that this is happening <laughs> but you're yeah. struggling to find meaning in it why would this happen to me what can i do with this um how do i get out of this yeah how do things get better and at this stage so sometimes when the anger's going on it's um it's internal and it's just kind of broadcast to anyone and anything when you get to the bargaining stage you're beginning to think about talking this out with other people reaching out to other people okay. uh, even telling maybe you're to a point now where you can tell the story um, so that you're beginning to try to make some sense of it but you still don't like it right yes <laughs> and so uh, particularly if you believe in God, people will try to bargain with God. Oh, oh God, please um, raise my mother from the dead. Oh, please heal um, my husband from his heart attack. Uh, bring back all of his faculties. Um, yeah, I... restore a relationship that <laughs> yes, is yes. broken. Um, yeah. And the, the second part of that bargaining then is, and if you do that, I will do this. I'll be on my knees every morning the rest of my life. I will never be ashamed of you again. I will acknowledge you before man so that you can acknowledge me before God. Lord, if you do this, then I will. Um, so that would be the bargaining stage. So you're desperate, you're desperate to make some meaning of this, to move ahead. To find some relief 
from the pain. Yes. Yeah, um, and going through this, what if I hadn't done that? What if I hadn't taken this vitamin on this day? Maybe my, I wouldn't have had this miscarriage, you know. Um. Right. So then what comes after the bargaining? Because I want to explore that more a little bit further ahead, but what are the, what are the rest of the stages? Well, before I leave bargaining, I want to say this about bargaining and performance-based religion. When you believe that your works matter to God, and that he reacts to your works, right, either positively or negatively, then in this bargaining stage, this is critical. So one time Micah went on a ward trek. If you don't know what a ward trek is, he was um, with a bunch of people from our, our ward um, youth pulling a handcart across Wyoming okay. um, in honor of the pioneers who had done that, right? And sure, retracing the steps, the trails, yes. He was in sheep country, sleeping outside, and he was bit by a tick on this trek. And 10 days after coming home, began to get seriously ill. His fever went to 104, 105. Wow. And he had Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Now, as a, a faithful member of performance-based religion, my brain immediately goes to, what did I do wrong? I, there must have been something that I did that caused this to happen because it said in my scriptures in the Book of Mormon that um, those who live the commandments are blessed both temporally and spiritually. So this was a temporal, temporal non-blessing. Blessing, yes. Wow. So I must have done something wrong, or the kid did something wrong. He couldn't have done anything wrong. I'm sure my husband did nothing wrong, so it had to be me. So then clicking in that bargaining, Lord, what can I do to make this right? You know, how can we get this kid to live? He literally held, he was between life and death for about 21 days. So, but I remember going through this quite So Lynn, that would be that would be a really hard paradigm to have as a parent with your kids where anytime there's something major that happens, one of your first thoughts is, wow, what did I do? How have I failed spiritually? How have I disappointed God? Or what have I done wrong? It, do you find that this is common with other people in performance-based religion? I mean, was this just you because you were so sensitive spiritually and or is this is this a common thing with other moms of of kids well moms and dads and i think a lot of people in performance-based religion one of my best friends left mormonism a few years ago and as young as her 40s then ended up with cancer and Often her family, her extended family, uh, in performance-based religion would say to her, see, um, this happened to you because you left the true church. Oh, and wow. so, yes, I've heard that. I've heard wow. that 
perpetration. So imagine how important it is to try to bargain your way out of this situation, right? Oh, absolutely. Your life would be like this constant <laughs> going back and forth anytime something negative or bad happens, which it does to everybody. We live in a very fallen, broken world. And if there's anything the scripture makes clear, it's that, you know, bad things do happen to good people and it has nothing to do with the love and acceptance we have from God. And yet, if you're in a context, a religious spiritual context where that's your paradigm, wow, that would just be devastating, draining. You'd be in this kind of bargaining cycle a lot, it seems. And, and one of the things that shocked me when I began to read the New Testament was, you know, Jesus said things like, they hate me, I live in you, they'll hate you. You'll have trials, you'll have persecutions, but yes. I'm with you. <laughs> I love you despite whatever goes on. Well, and I even think of him saying, you know, the servant is not greater than the master. So if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If I suffered, you're going to suffer. Um, yeah, it's a very different context when you get and into what the Bible says. So one of the things that defines us as Christians, right, is that in all of that mess of life, we believe him, we love him, we turn to him, we trust him, and we just walk it out, and he gives us a peace and a comfort. And we're not defined by our circumstances, nor are we controlled by our circumstances. That good and bad don't need to be based on your circumstances. That no matter what circumstances roil around you, like those waves that Jesus walked on, right? That yeah. when you have the Lord, you have calm, you have peace in the midst of it. And even if you don't know where it's going, you just relax and just walk it out the best you can. And then other people from the outside wa watching Christians be peaceful in the midst of all that, I think, can be a real draw. Right. And we can do that because we have this intimate relationship with God as a father who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Um, when you've come to me, when you're accepted because of what my son has done for you, that acceptance is complete and your circumstances can no longer, um, no longer determine our relationship. Our relationship is determined by the intimacy and love that we have because of who you are as my adopted child, because of your faith in my son Jesus. And yeah, that's a game changer, totally, when it comes to trial and suffering. And, wow. And one of the things I've learned by walking this whole thing out is that he is faithful. This world is just broken. It's diseased yes. and it affects everyone, believer and non-believer alike, except that we have God through it all. We have a place to go and cry. We have direction from the word about how to walk through these things. And I found a lot of comfort um, 
in in the Psalms when I was going through some of the hardest parts. It yeah. So I mean, any Psalms in particular that uh -uh. that spoke to you that. I'll just run through some of the verses that were helpful for me. Um, this okay. is from Psalm 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So he's a place to go to hang on to. And, you know, unfortunately, human beings often not to we don't cling to the Lord often unless we have circumstances that draw us there. Um, yes, and so, so it's true. a blessing, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a blessing. When my family was ripped apart because some were Christian and some were Mormon and things were a mess and we were trying to figure it all out, I had nowhere to go but Jesus. Yes, yeah, absolutely. From Psalm 10, in his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Wow. So our pride and self-reliance can often be the very things that keep us farthest from that close, intimate, dependent relationship. Yeah, how many people do... Uh, say God blesses those who help themselves or whatever. God helps those who help themselves. Yes. That is not biblical, is it, Joel? <laughs> no, I was going to say, that's not a Bible verse. <laughs> God actually hangs with those who rely solely on the Lord. Um, right, yes. Um, he resists the proud. He draws near to the humble. You know, the Psalms also tell us over and over that the word of the Lord is reliable and that it is where we should go and what we should depend on in times that are hard. And the words of the Lord are flawless. This is from Psalm 12. Like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. I read this in Psalm 16. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. How interesting is that? And how many times did yes. I wake up at night or couldn't sleep through the night, right? And yet the Lord was there. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to go back a little bit to this bargaining stage because I think that's a really common stage for people in this transition out of a performance-based religion because there is so much that they lose or that they stand to lose that this bargaining becomes instinctual and especially if it's been part of the kind of the, the religious spiritual fabric of their lives to kind of always be bargaining with God or figuring out what I need to do so I've got his favor so how did you transition away from the bargaining? What was it that helped you move kind of from that, you know, okay, God, I'll do anything? Because the bottom line is we make these bargains and we never follow through. We don't have the ability. We aren't on our knees every day. We, you know, we, we stop reading the Bible. We don't spend two hours a day in prayer. Um, so, 
sooner or later, we don't hold up our end of the bargain. So it's a really good thing it, it doesn't depend on that to have God's favor. But what, what did you do to kind of transition out of the bargaining to where instead there was just this steady confidence that God was there? As you were talking, I have to laugh. God brought to mind something that I tried to bargain with. I remember saying, okay, I don't need to pay tithing anymore to my performance-based religion, so I will now tithe 10% of my time to the Lord. So I'll spend, you know, 10% of every day in the Word and... Um, hoping that somehow <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that would move me forward. Well, certainly that was helpful, but I'm a human, and I'm sure I did not meet that standard <laughs> many times. How did I move on? I moved on by being in the Word and learning who God was and how faithful okay. He was and what He required of me and what He didn't require of me right so knowing who he is the nature of god and knowing the nature of me as a human and then as a believer i call on you my god for you will answer me it says in psalm 17 that's a pretty good promise i call yes. out and he won't necessarily do what i ask him to do he won't necessarily make the depression go away overnight, but he right. will answer me in a way that serves his purposes and is for my good. And I just began to be able to release that fear and frustration and irritation and trust him because he did show up. For instance, things that I couldn't understand in the Word, when I would go on a Sunday morning, the sermon would just happen to be on that topic so that I got whatever answers I needed, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's always so cool when that happens when you're wrestling with something and then all of a sudden, God, you know, there's a podcast or there's a message or a sermon. It's like, oh, this is exactly what I was wondering about. Or somebody would walk up to me. Oh my goodness, my first year at Florida Gulf Coast University, my first year after salvation, my first year after leaving BYU, my very first semester, one of my students realized that I was a new Christian. I had no idea her father was a Christian artist. Pretty, oh, pretty wow. well known. <laughs> and so, at graduation, she walked me to the trunk of her car and pulled out a watercolor her father had painted of me in a red dress, face down on the floor in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wept. Oh my. And that is so cool. And that picture <laughs> hangs in the bed and breakfast, the little two rooms in the bed and breakfast where Mike and I have that Adams Road runs up in Winter Garden, Florida. And every morning I get up and every morning I look at that picture and every morning I think of the Lord and think of surrendering the day to Him. So last year we were on tour with Adams Road and we were in Pennsylvania and I, 
I had no idea, but Adams Road was um, presenting at the church where this artist was. And oh, that's cool. <laughs> this was his home congregation. And we're often asked into the pastor's office before they do their presentation just to pray with some elders and the pastor. Right. And we went into this pastor's office and it was full of paintings by the same artist. And I was moved to tears because that, that's not a coincidence. I mean, God is just that intimate and when he begins to be intimate like that and show up with things that you need not things that you thought you wanted but right. but things that kind of move you ahead emotionally and spiritually um, you get really connected to him <laughs> yes. trusting him and loving him well Lynn this has been great and I'm looking at our timer and we're like out of time for this episode. So we definitely need to come back to some of these other stages, the depression stage, um, yeah. acceptance, moving on. So I think in our next episode, um, let's do that. Let's kind of continue this conversation because I, I'd also like you to revisit the association of fear with the bargaining and the moving out of that fear. I think. Um, so often fear is a, is a huge primary motivator and I just love to hear you talk about how God kind of dealt with that with you. So let everybody know next episode we are going to continue this conversation and we hope that um, it has really helped you kind of connect with some of this stuff. So, And if you're struggling in the bargaining stage, please go to the Word and uh, let God teach you. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, thanks. Until next time, we will be back with more. God bless, Joel. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm-hmm.